Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, that's right. It is the Mole Patrol, uh, sans Josh Wiggler, because this week we are going to be digging into all the things about the Mole Season 2 that you already know if you have seen the whole show. So it's me, Jessica Lees, and I am here, of course, with Brooklyn Zed. We are two people who have seen the entirety of the show. Turn back now if you have not seen the end of Mole Season 2, because we're going to spoil it. All the way up to the rafters. It is going to be spoiled AF. There will be no stone unspoiled. Get out now. Get out, get out, get out. Yes, leave. Preserve yourself. Go enjoy the rest of the show. Either right now, binge the rest of it and come back to this podcast, or enjoy it at Josh's speed. If he can have the self-control to only watch one episode at a time when we're having such a great time, you can do it too. Treasure this moment. It will. You only get it once. You can only be shocked and awed by everything that is yet to come the one time it's true Uh, yeah but if you have seen it all you're here with us we're gonna have some fun yeah there is one moment of shock and awe that i have watched on a weekly basis since the mole 2 dropped on netflix and it never loses its power (laughs) but honestly you all need to have that first experience with it and so if you're not if you don't know what I'm talking about, get out now and come back later. I want to I want to highlight actually had a great I had a great Twitter exchange with I believe it was. Now I'm going to look it up to make sure that I have the right person here. Um, I had a Twitter exchange with a listener who was up to the final five. And he was like, I must be doing something wrong because I don't know what this moment is that you keep talking about. And I was like, no, nobody, uh, you're, you're not there yet. You got to keep going. He's like, but I'm already at the final five. What, yeah. what is left to watch? And I said, three, well, three more episodes. Yeah. So yeah, uh, shout out to, shout out to Chris Brannigan, who tweeted at me very puzzled as to what is the moment. And you're there, buddy. If In you contrast to Josh, like, who thinks everything is the moment, because it's also yeah. ridiculous. I mean, we do get a few people tweeting at me and being like, I don't, I've seen the whole thing. I don't know what the moment is and, because there are so many great things. And that that's also a fair point. Yeah. 
but I and I liked uh, Michael Kay's encapsulation of what this is. He's like, just to make sure I'm on the same page, the amazing moment you're talking about is the one where the player hears the thing in the place, right? Because that is the moment <laughs> that has stuck with me for 20 years. And I'm like, yes, buddy, it is the thing in the place. Yes, That's the exactly one where the right. player hears the thing in the place. That is the moment we are talking about. Yeah. And, and if you, you know, don't know what that means, I don't know why you're still here. Yeah, you need have, to go find out what the thing in the place is. We've given you three yeah. full minutes of filler before we give away anything. We are about and to if, abolish the filibuster. Yes. Somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to do it. <laughs> and it's going to be us here on Mole Patrol. That's what everybody was yeah. hoping for. Because you know, nobody ever invited Joe Manchin to Mole Patrol. Because <laughs> he is the mole. It's true. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. So yeah, um, we have given you one full cycle of tiny bubbles worth of filler <laughs> before we give away the important stuff. So I'm gonna say, if you haven't ducked out now, I don't want you adding us that you got spoiled because we told you it's called the spoiler special. We said it in the first second of the podcast. We gave you three minutes where we talked about nothing but the fact that we're going to spoil your little butts off. So here you are. Bill is the mole. There is the mole. Boom. I spoiled it. Now, now we have to backtrack and we have to talk about Zed. To talk about the fact that Josh doesn't know and Josh doesn't suspect and not how, at all. how is that not possible? remotely I don't know but it is such a treat because I was so furious that mm. he pegged Catherine from the start last season uh, it is very pleasing to have him thoroughly confused and suspecting different people each week um, and to be way off with Bribs and he doesn't think it's Bribs anymore but he's not gotten any more correct in the meantime <laughs> And I've heard a couple of people have have theorized that the reason that he's not catching on to it is because he's so committed to his bit. His Charlie voice. Yeah. yeah. It's like Bill is Charlie and Charlie wasn't the mole. So therefore, Bill is not the mole. It's a transitive property. Yeah. Well, works for me. All the more entertaining for us to get to watch his his incorrect guesses and suspicions in the meantime. Yeah. And honestly, I was as worried as you were, Zed, with the, the first time he said Catherine is the mole. I'm like, how are we ever going to get him to watch season two now? Because Bill is so more obvious as the mole than Catherine <laughs> ever was. And if he got Catherine in the first episode, he's going to watch the first 30 seconds. Be like, there's your mole. Yeah. I don't know how he did. He isn't doing it. It's it's baffling, but it is everything we wanted the podcast to be when we first signed on to do it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's the fun of it for us, right? Like, yeah, of course, we love talking about this show that we love so much. But the real joy is in having someone along for the, for the ride who hasn't experienced it before. And when you guess them all right off the bat, even if you don't know that you're right, that certainly takes some of the fun out of it for us because we just have to be like, well, I don't know if you're right or not. You're definitely right. <laughs> it's much harder to lie about someone being right when they don't know yeah. if they're right, that it yes. is for someone to be completely wrong and continue to ask us if we're, if and they're right. And you go along with those theories and yeah. be like, yeah, that makes sense. That could be it. That is suspicious. Yeah. It's kind of letting them do the theorizing. Otherwise, you know, we have to do the theorizing for, for him about why is Catherine not the mole. Right. It's yes. much easier to, it's much easier to try to prove an unknown than to disprove a known. Yes. Very well put. <laughs> that's that's the kind of night it is we're going to put yeah. things very well and again I 
I, I love, I think my favorite thing that has happened on this podcast so far happened in last week's episode mm-hmm. when there was literally one of the clues to the mole and Josh highlighted the fact that it was a clue to the mole the and did not bill. Yeah. <laughs> and he did not know that he was, he was lampshading an actual clue to the mole. Correct. How did that happen? That's amazing. Oh, man. Incredible. I was like, yes, you are correct. A dollar bill. And they're going to count that as a clue later. Um, maybe he thought it was too obvious, given how not obvious the clues are. I don't know. Well, this was something that people highlighted for us very early on that midway through the series, apparently the production staff was getting really upset about the fact that nobody was guessing who the mole was and they started putting more and more obvious clues but honestly that's the most obvious one because the rest of the clues are total bullshit yeah i remember in other seasons i know it's things like we put the mole's area code in this one frame of the intro and it's like okay sure uh this is a hint to who the winner is because we highlighted this word this one time um i know that this season one of them is like Bill is in front of a picture of a ship <laughs> in one confessional, and that means that he's the mole. And it's like, what are you talking about? They do confessionals all over the place with different people in front of different settings all the time, but we're supposed to know that this specific one is a clue that means something. Yeah. And the viewer clues are kind of ridiculous. Uh, there, and there literally is one, I think, in the first episode where you. You pause it and like they've rejiggered the night sky to show Pisces, which is Bill's zodiac sign. Right. right. Oh, of course. Bill's zodiac sign is Pisces. I knew mm. that. Yeah. And you have to connect a lot of dots or stars, I guess, uh, to pick up on all the clues. Yep. Anderson Cooper is munching an apple, which is the official fruit of Washington State, where Bill lives. Okay. He also eats a sandwich and drinks a bunch of wine. Are those clues? No. no. They are only clues to Anderson's mental state while he's filming. (laughs) Oh, man. I wonder if if, speaking of things that Anderson consumes when we get to uh, the episode, I I think not next week, but the week after with the wine smashing. um, If if Josh will think that's the moment when Anderson gets drunk with the contestants and none of them can pour wine. Is that the funniest thing we've ever seen? It's pretty funny, but it's it not is. the moment. Yeah. I, and I feel like that's going to be another instance of him being yeah. absolutely certain. And we have to be like, no, it's better. It's still and coming. Yeah. It's going to be like, how, how could it be any better? How is it? How is this show get better and better? And it's like, it just does. It and just then like, does. I don't know, after Tiny Bubbles, all other television for the next two decades is just chasing that high. Yep. Oh, man. Welcome to my fun house. These are my dolls. Quit looking at me, you harlot. (laughs) So weird. I love it so much. I can't wait. Oh, you guys, we cannot wait. We've been like for, you know, over a year now excited to get to this episode and we're still you know a month away from it but it's coming but it's it's i can see it in the distance i can hear it yeah and we're it getting close like, yeah and and i also i want to i want to do a shout out to the extra hot great podcast um and i i can provide a link to this if somebody asks me wants to know um if, a couple months ago before we kicked off this podcast i actually the Extra Hot Great Podcast is a segment called The Canon, where you can send in your pitch for 
uh, the sort of Hall of Fame of TV episodes and you explain why you think this is an iconic episode of television and they watch it and then they weigh in on whether they agree or not. And I unsuccessfully pitched Tiny Bubbles to the canon and I, I don't know how any t- episode of television makes it if that one didn't, but they thought it was a little bit slow and they rejected mm. it. But I, my pitch for, my pitch for that episode is, is in an episode of Extra Hot Great. And then they later on called me to be a guest host on their show one episode, which was on my bucket list. And I know that's super lame. I didn't tell <laughs> it was on my bucket list, you know. <laughs> but anyways, Ed, I feel like we have two things we want to accomplish in this spoiler special, apart from uh, ragging on Josh for not guessing who the mole is yet. Um, which check, I feel yes. like, check. Um, we have kind of two main bits of information for the spoiler special that um, that we wanted to break down in greater detail. And one is the immense amount of feedback that we got from our listeners, which yes. I believe you've been through, you've sifted through and compiled. And we want to address a lot of your questions. We want to thank everybody for writing in because you have some very thoughtful notes that we want to make sure we definitely touch on. And then later on, after we've gone through the feedback, I have, um, I have another source of information on this season that I wanted to dig into. And that was um, the, the amazing book, which is available on Kindle Unlimited, if you are a Kindle person, um, don't give more money to Jeff Bezos than you absolutely have to. But um, you may find out there a copy of Reflections of the Mole by Bill McDaniel. So even Amazon is not safe to spoil when you're trying to avoid mole spoilers. Like, don't, yeah. don't type in the mole season two into Amazon or you will be spoiled. Um, but Bill wrote a book about it because he... For the next six years after the mole completed filming, he had nothing better to do. So he wrote a book uh-huh. about it. And he's he's a character, is Bill. I believe it. And yeah, Jess read the book, so I didn't have to. Yeah. I, the, the minute I got to his note about um about how his parents got married when his mother was 14 and his father was 24 because his dad felt like the best way to find a wife is to get them young and raise them right. Ah, oh, I'm like, no. oh, I, I, I don't want Zed to have anything to do with this. They should not have to read Thank this book. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. And um, discussing how um, Dorothy was the typical inscrutable Chinese person. I'm like, Yikes. whoa. Yeah. Yikes. Yikes. Um, it was a different time. I guess it was 15 yeah. years ago. Yeah. Still not okay. It wasn't okay no. 15 years ago. Not okay now. But what is okay is the incredible amount of mole trivia. And he is a funny guy. Mm-hmm. Some of this stuff is very, very funny. And I have some highlights of behind the scenes content that we're definitely going to want to go into. But I think first we should probably dive into this large amount of feedback that we've collected. Sure. Um, well, to what you said, we have some feedback from Matt, uh, who I know also sent us an sent us an Anders song. If you have mole themed mole parody songs, uh, we will play them at the end of the season. Um, so you can be thinking about that and get those into us at your leisure. Um, he had some feedback about the book, which we can talk about uh, when we get to the book part. He also has an elaborate theory about the bribe situation that I don't know if I even totally follow (laughs) because I am not a math person. But for those of you who are math people out there and because Matt went to this work, I'm going to read out what he wrote. 
He said, my math nerd side couldn't help but think about whether Alavia made the right decision from an expected value standpoint. First, when she was offered an exemption or to add 15K to the pot, what was the value of the exemption at that point? If you assume that everyone has an equal chance of winning, her expected value in that episode was one eighth of $236,000 or $29,500. But if she advances to the next episode free with an exemption, her expected value increases to one out of seven or about 34000 To break even and give up the exemption, the pot would have had to increase to $270,000. So anything less than 35000 added would not be worth it. She was correct to keep the exemption. For the bribe, it's similar. Her expected value is one out of seven, which comes out to $38,000. So it seems like a no-brainer to take the 50000 especially with it guaranteed. On the other hand, we know the pot will go up over time. She doesn't know how much, um, but her expected value works out to $90,000. So thinking about it that way, the better mathematical decision would be to stay in the game. But nevertheless, you can't blame her for taking it, even though she didn't realize that most of the other players thought she was the mole. And one more thing. Why would the contestants put her last on their lists again? Don't they learn? <laughs> well, first of all, uh, Matt, if you've never auditioned for Deal or No Deal, you should probably go on that show because that seems like it's your real house. Yeah, um, no kidding. This is some Deal or No Deal math for sure. Um, the point that I, I, I think this is all fascinating and well-reasoned, and I think Olavia probably had something similar in her head, at least mm-hmm. when she was uh, thinking about the exemption, because the number she gives as the number that she would have taken to give up the exemption is $30,000. Right. So I suspect some similar calculus was going on in her head. But as to the expected value of the quit, I think she doesn't know how much money they're going to wind up with. Right. And she could very well going home the next episode and have you know have no shot at it so i honestly i think her expected value at the time is less than what she is offered yeah i agree and it really is did you did you come for the experience did you come for the money if you came for both which is more important um because fifty thousand dollars is guaranteed sitting there in front of you Versus however much time you'll spend maybe or maybe not earning more money that you may or may not then gain in the future because your odds of winning are so slim. Um, so I think it was probably the right decision to make. But I also understand that like you're in this like once in a lifetime unique experience. It's got to be hard to walk away from that if you've come primarily for the experience, not for the money. Um, but I don't think anybody blames her for taking it. Although to Matt's point, also, she was in a good position because so many people suspected her of being the mole. And since she knows that's not the case, she had a bit of an advantage over some of the other players in terms of odds on the quiz. Yeah. And I can pull up, like, um, we could talk about, we can talk about her contributions. The great thing about Bill's book is that he has everybody from the show minus one person, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, but she said that um, she, she had no idea anybody thought she was the mole and hmm. she was just stressed out. She felt really badly that people didn't like her. And I think most of yeah. that was just if someone's offered you a huge amount of money to leave the game 
and it's people you like and you're having a good time and you're enjoying the gameplay and you really feel like it's the experience, then that's one thing. But if you're stressed out and you're breaking out in hives and you're, and you're tired all the time, you're not sleeping or eating. Yeah. Take the 50 grand and run. Yeah. Um, and she said she, she liked the travel experience and she definitely, she made good friends, but she also, it was more stressful than she intended it to be. And so I think sure. that, that really, I know, I think that's true with a lot of television shows, honestly. You go on any of these reality shows and we are speaking to an audience of people that have seen dozens and dozens of seasons of this. And a lot of them look at it and think that's got to be really fun and I could do better than these people and I want this experience. But I think what you can tell people a million times and they won't know until they're on the show is that it's not really fun. It is work. And every amount of money you make on those shows, you earn. They are getting their money's worth. Yeah, because you're you're so isolated from your typical support network and whatever tactics you might use to like take care of your mental health. Um, And now I think even more so than 20 years ago, like we're all so plugged in to being able to communicate with anybody at any Mm -hmm. time. Um, You know, when I grew up, we had to like, you know, call my grandma long distance at certain hours when it was cheaper rather Mm -hmm. than just like sending a text message at at any time of the day. Um, So like, we're so connected to each other now that like you go on any of these shows and you don't have any of that contact. Um, And in a show like The Mole, you don't know who you can trust. You don't know who's out to get you. You want to make genuine connections with people because that's just like human instinct. But there's in in games like this, there's always that layer of, well, can I actually trust them? Are they going to backstab me? In this case, are they literally the mole out to sabotage everything I'm trying to do? Um, And so that makes it really hard. I'm sure it feels like very isolating, even in a group of people. And then to know that you're the least liked among those people has got to be extremely difficult. Yeah, but that that's to um to Matt's next question, why would the contestants put her last on their lists again? Don't they learn? Um I think that if you're asked to rank everybody once and then you rank them again, this is like sending someone to Exile Island to look for the idol. Mhm. You need to keep your rankings the same because if you've already pissed off one person, you might as well not piss off a second person. Yeah. Or in Big Brother this season when they keep putting the same person up on the block mm-hmm. and it's killing her and she's really upset about it every time. But it's like, yeah, I could just do it. You know, it's happening. But if I put some other random person up, then you're both mad at me. Right. So, it's like all of the negative energy or animosity is concentrated in one place rather than being spread out and creating a whole bunch of enemies. Yeah. And it sucks to be that person, but I would certainly yeah. have... If I'd had to rank people the second time, I would certainly have done it the same way. Yeah. And I think it did vary a little bit for some people, but ultimately it was sort of like ranked choice voting or like (laughs) the inverse of ranked choice voting almost of like Bill. I think Bill and Olavia tied for last on one of the weeks, but then more people had Olavia like second to last Mm -hmm. than people had Bill. So ultimately she ended up being the, the aggregate least liked player matt that sounded like a math word i hope i was using (laughs) it right um yeah so i i think they whether it was strategic or it was just honest i think they made 
the right strategic decision, um, keeping it the same. Yeah, I don't I still don't understand why they did it twice. I guess just to rule out the fact that, um, you know, if they if they'd ranked Bill last, they would have had to play the game differently. Somebody had a theory about that. I'm going to see if I can find. I thought, uh, they, yeah, we we got some feedback from somebody with a theory about why they did it two weeks in a row. I can't recall who it is, and I don't know if I have it specifically in our spoiler feedback, but I know someone's thought was it was like a test case to see if Bill would end up last. And if he didn't, then they would be willing to do the bribe because if he ended up last, they wouldn't want to do it a second time because they couldn't offer him the bribe because he would turn it down. And the thought was that that would look suspicious. Um, My apologies to whoever's theory that was that I am not able to properly credit you in this moment. Um, But I think that's a good theory. Yeah, that's, that's brilliant. I, I, that was, that's the only thing I can think of that actually makes any sense. I I feel like what might have been more fun is if they just had everybody rank everybody every single every single week and not done anything with it until the point where they did. Mm-hmm. I I almost think that introducing this piece of it that late in the game was it came out of left field to me. Yeah, it's also interesting that it didn't matter who was ranked highest like mm-hmm. that. They don't even tell us as the viewers who, who would have won the popularity contest. Yeah. So yeah. they don't give anybody any power or any like social capital in that way. It's only who are we going to offer an exemption to? Who are we going to offer the bribe to? Yeah. And I would have, I feel like that's information I would have wanted to use. Mm-hmm. Like I, everybody should have had their notebooks out that whole time. Yeah. Maybe if this was a more contemporary show, that information would have come into play also. Yeah. And, you know, they do it in the circle. I feel like mm-hmm. this is like analogous to the voting in the circle. Um, related to this discussion, which I feel like is kind of about the rules, uh, Connor wrote in and said, I saw Anderson Cooper give an interview where he mentioned he thought the rules of the mole were too complex. At the time, was this a sentiment people shared? As some reality TV obsessed goons, I think it could be difficult for us to view it from the casuals perspective there. It's it's a good point, especially given how complex everything is now. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that was kind of the sentiment back when the show was on, was that it was harder to pick up how this how this show worked than it was like big brother and survivor at the time were basically just every week they're going to vote somebody out mm-hmm. and like even big brother was even simpler than that for its first season every every week they're going to vote you're going to vote someone out and you know american idol is the same thing every week right. everybody's going to vote and then whoever gets the lowest number of votes goes home and this was different because people weren't voting and it was the actual strategy of how you play this game well and how you reason out how you're supposed to figure out who is the mole, it gets very into the weeds and it's hard to depict. Like I was, and again, when we get to Bill's book, I'll talk a little bit more about this, but when I read about how people were tackling it, I'm like, oh, right. But you can't show any of that. And Mm. it's frustrating. Interesting. Um, it becomes a lot of people sitting around talking and they're all taking notes. You can't show their notes. It's, right. It, it does become 
really hard to tell the story. I think when you're in the game, you could probably reason out how to play it, but it's it's another one of those games I feel like I would rather play it than um than watch other people play it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh kind of similar to something that like a, a factor that really got me into Survivor when I came back to it as an adult several years ago was this idea of like playing an idol and playing it may say to your allies, I don't trust you. Do you want to like if you're the person with the idol, do you want to do that? And like maybe make your your allies less sure of like your confidence in them versus do you need to like protect your own safety? And I think that sort of like thinking through the steps of, well, if I do this to protect myself, how does that look to other people and how will that factor into like how they work with me or don't in the future is strategy that we take pretty for granted at this point in the evolution of survivor. And as people who watch a lot of reality television, but that is, I think a pretty inherent aspect of strategy in the mole is like thinking through, well, do I do something that looks suspicious? So people think it's me, but if it's too overt, will people think that I'm trying to look suspicious and then they'll know that it's not me. Uh, and those like layers of what is like the correct amount of duplicitousness to bring into the game. If you are not the mole versus if you are the mole is like very advanced strategy for so early in reality television. Yeah. And I, I think there's also, there's a segment of the viewer and the viewership that was ready for that and was primed for it and was excited about it. And then it was just, I remember the feeling being when we knew it wasn't coming back, a lot of people were just upset. They're like, this is the only show that does this. This is so high concept and everything else feels strategically way less interesting than this. Mm -hmm. And now I think this is why I'm I'm unsure that a mole reboot is going to be the right thing for this audience in this day and age because we have that now. Like yeah. You know, Survivor is that much more complex and apparently like people say that the thing they like about Big Brother is the fact that it's they don't have to worry about people being stressed out and starving and dirty and tired. All they have to do is is strategize and so it's strategically like it's gotten crazy complex mm-hmm. and I think nowadays we're all up on that level and yeah. so what is the new what is the new mold going to look like right. I think and I'm sure we're all going to watch it we're going to be excited to have it everybody's consuming that much more content but it's not filling that hole in the same way mm-hmm. so I will be interested to see how it does and how people respond to it. And also the kinds of people that are going to go on this show are going to have digested two decades worth of this kind of stuff. Right. What's that game going to look like? I mean, hopefully I think a lot of it comes out in confessionals. Um, And I listened to the David versus Goliath uh, recap recently And they were talking about how like the show is so that season is so successful because they have such great narrators and they have Christian who can break down like the strategy of what's happening and where votes are going and how people are acting and why to like help make sense of the very complex motivations and actions of the players in the game. And I think if the creators of the new mole have that sense of we really need the players in the game to be able to walk us through the strategy and talk about what's happening in the game and not just say, I miss my family. I'm really tired. I can't believe my friend went home. 
Like we need, and that's what most of the talking heads <laughs> in the mole, the, the the original mole are. Yeah. It's like, gosh, this game is hard. It's harder than I thought it would be. We've been gone a long time. I'm not really sure what's going to happen next. And it's like, yeah, okay, <laughs> great. That's a good point because yeah, there's this, there's all this strategy that everybody is employing that you're not seeing any of it on the TV. And I guess some of that is because if you did too much of that, it tips your hand as to who is not the mole. True. Because especially this season where you had, you had Bill really not doing anything in terms of strategy and having to write his journal the night before they all had to give them up mm -hmm. because he had a blank journal where you have people like Darwin have like filled it yeah yeah they've filled it and, and Patrick who's like he's on uh, like his second journal yeah yeah like you knew the second that they said Patrick was over strategizing all the time it's like that guy would not be the mole because he does not have time to do anything other right. than like Kevin Spacey in seven <laughs> And, yeah boy there's yeah, a lot that's, yeah that's a good point that like it is tricky i mean it would mean more sort of like artificial confessionals from the mole because you do get them from bill in this season being like hmm i'm very suspicious of dorothy because of this that and the other thing um because they've got to have confessionals from all of the players being suspicious uh but maybe he can talk about i don't know about how they were able to get the car through the greenhouse door <laughs> um, or, or whatever the task is. Um, but that is a challenge that I guess the mall has in a way that other shows don't. Um, let's see. What else do we have? We did talk about, uh, we have some feedback from Ben about Josh not guessing that Bill is the mole. Um, <laughs> as well we should I don't even think he is on Josh's radar correct did the editing do a good job of hiding the fails contributed by Bill I'm not sure if it's just my retrospective memory but things like buying the ice cream after the pizza challenge being the first out in the sink or swim game and dropping the gnome is so obviously potential mole behavior um, I mean it is but to the in the same way that we are saying the clues that the mole say are so obvious about who is the mole I think once you, everything looks like mole behavior once you know who mm -hmm. the mole is. Yeah. Because um, you can see those same kinds of, in that same episode where Bill buys the ice cream, A, so does Darwin, and B, Heather touches the bike. Um, so everybody does things, some of which are honest mistakes, some of which could be active, you know, sabotage to try and throw people off of the actual mole trail. Yeah. And what I really want, I want, um, and of course, this is, here's a, here's a little, um, something for our Hamilton fans out there. We need two, we need two seasons of the mole per game of the mole. We need the helpless season and then we need the satisfied season. We need to see like everybody trying to figure out who the mole, we need to watch it, not knowing who the mole is. And then I want to go back and look at all of them and like we know at the back of our minds who the mole is. And then I want to see everybody else explaining how they figure out who the mole is. Yeah. And show the things like there's a lot of stuff that they show Bill doing, but then they show somebody else taking the fall for it. Mm -hmm. um, like one of the examples that Bill cites in his book is that um, when they're trying to get to the train station and Allie and Bribs are stopping off in a bar for a drink. 
Bill joins them in the bar and right. like orders another round just as they're about to leave to go get to the train. And they don't show Bill ordering the next round. They just yeah. show Allie and Bribbs drinking and like making up the whole thing about the exemption. So there's a lot of stuff like that. And the same with the ice cream. They don't show they don't show Bill with the ice cream. They show Darwin with the ice cream. And they show because Bill like eats his instantly. I yeah. Guess. Just like opens his jaw and swallows the ice cream whole. Yeah. And they and then the whole thing, like nobody gets after them for buying ice cream because Heather touched the bike. Right. So I and I some of that is on production too, because I suspect that if Heather had not touched the bike, they might have had to make a bigger deal out of the ice cream. There's a lot of stuff people break the rules and they don't get dinged for it. Yeah. Also in Ben's feedback kind of related to this, he says, I am not sure if this happened in the U.S. version of the show, but in the Australian version, it was revealed that the mall gets a heads up of the next day's games and potential ways to sabotage them. This happens when filming their one-on-ones, when they're talking to the producers, to camera confessionals. Do you think this is happening with Bill as well? I think it was, right? Like, I feel like Catherine talked about once they get to the reunion of season one, she's like, yeah, I would like the producers would tell me, you know, you want to be in this position for this task to best be able to like mess it up. Yeah. They don't tell them everything that's happening in the games. Mm -hmm. They give them like a few nuggets of information that they can then use to figure out how they're going to, how they're going to sabotage. And like one of the things they told Bill was in the challenge with the gnomes, they said, volunteer to go second because that's the easiest way to screw up what they're doing yeah i mean that obstacle course looked difficult it did you gotta hold a greasy gnome and get it up that little like wooden slat over like a (laughs) like a can of corn or something and it's gonna like teeter-totter over no way on that rickety bike yeah it was I mean, it was basically they were telling him, just go in there and do this challenge and and you will fail. And you will fail. Yeah. Don't have to actively be the mole. You just have to be there and you'll fuck up. Right. But as as Catherine also says, like when they do that task right towards the end with the like where Steven has to get them to trust him to do various dangerous things that it turns out are not actually dangerous. She said, they didn't tell me anything about that. I didn't know that those things weren't real. Like they wanted my fear to be actual fear if I was afraid. And then she passed out. So, you know, yeah, it's a little bit of both, I think. Yeah. Um, And there's definitely communication between the mole and production about what's going on. Yeah. And it wouldn't be fun to be the mole if you just knew everything that was coming up. Like you still have to be in there playing the game or it's going to be really obvious. Mm -hmm. You need to be surprised by stuff. Maybe not to the point of fainting, but mm-hmm. you need your reactions to what's coming up need to be genuine as well. So I, I get the sense that they give you like they give you teasers. They don't really give you what the game is. They just say, hey, here's what you might want to consider for this. And it might involve this. And yeah, so yeah. that's that's what I that's what I gleaned from it anyway. Yes. Um, Also, let's see. I think Ben. Yeah. Ben also said, we know that Dorothy wins the game. However, she had the lowest score on the quiz the night Olavia was bribed with the $50,000 and therefore she was saved. Who do you think would have been the winner if Olavia does not take the bribe and Dorothy was eliminated? 
Uh, Ben says, personally, I think Al, if I remember correctly, was either one less correct answer or was slower on the quiz that eliminated him just before the final. And with Heather exhausted and emotional by the finale, I think it was Al's to win. I mean, that's. I I don't think it was Al just because of what Bill says in his book about Al, which I will get to that as well. In fact, no, we're not going to we're not going to wait for that. I'm just going to read to you what he says, because I think it's. I think it's useful. Um, His actual quote about about Al, he mentions that. um, Yeah. Unfortunately for Al, we became good enough friends that he would not seriously consider me as the mole. And one other thing about him, he (laughs) believed in following the rules at all times. Could he be the mole? Well, maybe, but his penchant for following the rules exactly seemed to rule against that. And I don't think Al was a serious consideration for the mole after the first couple of weeks. So Al was so lawful good the whole time that it's likely, I think, that he gets eliminated sooner with Alavia still in the game. Um, and I think, I don't know if Al makes it all the way to the end, um, mm. because he's not correct on who the mole is. And remember, if Alavi is still in the game, everybody still thinks she's the mole. Right. It, it clearly does not throw them off the scent. I think a lot of people's games got busted when she walked away from the game. Yeah. And I don't know if Heather and Alavia make the same coalition that Dorothy and Heather do. Where the two of them team up and like, okay, we're going to take out the boys. Uh, and they successfully take out the boys. They take out Darwin, Bribs, and Al uh, so that they remain the final two along with Bill for the end of the season. Um, I think Heather was suspicious of Alavia from the beginning. So I don't think she's going to at any point try and make that same coalition. Although maybe Olavia proposes the same argument to her that she did to Dorothy of, well, if I'm the mole, there's no reason for you to lie to me. And if I'm not the mole, then we can work together. Yeah, it's and Olavia is such a smart player. It's really it's kind of sad that she got such a raw deal there. But I also this is one of two points in the game where there's a big sliding doors moment and the other one we'll get to when we talk about bill's book because it's a much bigger topic but i i really i don't think i think the boot order is completely different if lavia stays in the game because everybody thinks she's the mole Mm -hmm. and they're not going to be disabused of that notion yeah so i think that's right um Nick Fishman said, I just want to say it's I find it so funny that this season Josh has been suspecting Alan Bribbs so much, two of whom I never thought were the mole in 2001. I know in the mole book that many players suspected Bribbs for non-TV show reasons, like him being away for interviews for extended times. Um, I don't know anything about that Uh, (laughs) because I didn't read the book. Yeah. Um, Nick also says, I haven't heard Josh highlight any of the observable clues. How do you think he will react to the types of clues from this season? Do you think Josh is comparing Bill to Charlie has blinded him to the truth? (laughs) Can you ask Josh for a winner pick in addition to his mole pick for the latter half of the season? Yeah. I'm curious who he thinks is going to make it to the end of the game. Yeah, that's that's a very good question. He's um, going to be very devastated next week. <laughs> yeah, and I don't remember. I, I don't remember the part in the book where Bribs is away for interviews for so long that people think he's the mole. But I do remember people watching the show. Um, he was one of the prime suspects for the mole, 
because like people didn't like him. They thought he was shady. They thought he was a jerk. And I'm not seeing any of that. Yeah, that's really strange. On the rewatch, it doesn't. I'm not getting that at all from him. Like I remember him being such a douche and he's really not that much of a douche. Yeah. But, you know, we hated people on TV for much for reasons that are completely inconsequential now. He's just like a pretty bland dude who loves his mom. Yeah. (laughs) He's very excited to see his mom. (laughs) I don't know. Super bro-y. Yeah. It'll be, it will be interesting to see as we get down to the end. uh, Because I wouldn't be surprised if even at the final three, Josh is not suspecting Bill. That's, that's weird to me because I feel like it's so obvious by the final three. And again, mm-hmm. this was just because I had Bill pegged very early on and just sort of had my eye on him the whole time so that when people kept falling and falling, and there's a question in here about this, but um, he stuck out like a sore thumb. Like he just sticks out of this group so hard. Yeah, I could never overlook the sink or swim challenge when he yeah. can't make it 10 minutes in in the pool treading water. Yeah. Well, this is actually um, our listener, Catherine, asked this question. She said that in the final episode of our season one podcast, I made a comment about the strategy I used to peg Catherine as the mole. And I didn't want to say it yet because I used the same strategy to peg Bill in season two. And that's what it is. It was just like, who is the least like any of these other people? Because Mm -hmm. for one thing, they're asking questions about what about the mole's life and about the demographics of the mole. And if there's one of these things that's not like the other things, this you know, this makes that person stand out as as suspicious. And I really felt like if if other people who were similar in mindset and demographic to Bill had gone further in the game, I would not have picked Bill out. Like all of the older people fall out of the game very early on. Mm-hmm. And then you just have Bill and a bunch of kids. Yep. And it's like, huh, one of these things, not like the other thing. And you know, the minute he drops out of the swimming challenge, it's like, you know, is, is, can he really hang with these kids or is he the mole? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And he doesn't talk much about strategy. I mean, you know, he's a smart guy. He's really sharp and, you know, he's had this storied Navy career as well as he's a surgeon, which I don't think they ever talk about. Yeah. Um, It gets mentioned like in his like lower third in the first episode and then it never gets brought up again. So he's an admiral and he's a surgeon. So he's yes. obviously a very smart guy and you never get the sense that he's dumb. But he's also, the way he's approaching the game is just so different. And you would think that people are forming coalitions and people are working together and you can't really, like people, somebody has to be doing the same thing right. Like two different people have to be doing the same thing right. And Bill's not doing the same thing as anybody else in the game at any point. Mm, interesting. And it was kind of the same with Catherine. It was it was much later in the season that I figured that out. But she was last woman standing and she was she was also demographically kind of different from the other guy from the other people in the game. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was that's where I went with that. Yeah. Evan had additional feedback in the hypothetical if Dorothy goes home instead of Olavia spot. Um his theory is that Heather and Katie put their answers on Olavia still at the final seven and that Katie still goes home. And then in reality, after Katie left, Heather knew that Dorothy wasn't the mole since she and Katie targeted 
her as the mole, which led to Katie's execution and formed a coalition with her. Oh, does the exact same thing happen except with Dorothy and Alavia, with Alavia in Dorothy's spot? This is what I was talking about that I yeah, think is less likely. Um, and if Alavia and Heather made it to the end with Bill, does Heather win? Yeah, that's... I, I It really depends on how... It really depends on how quickly Heather gets thrown off of... How Heather gets thrown off of who is the mole. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I think Evan makes a good point that if Heather knows that she and Katie are both going after Alavia and then mm -hmm. Katie gets eliminated based on that theory, that's probably got to throw Heather off of the Alavia track and looking for a new suspect. Yep. Um, and to say, I had always wondered how Darwin in particular made it so far, despite everyone being, despite being so wrong. Turns out everyone else was just as wrong. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and you, you hear that expressed from Dorothy in the next episode. She's like, why did you leave? Everybody thought you were the mole and we could have <laughs> like gone to the end together. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very crazy. But anyway, that does feed into the other sliding doors moment we have from this, from the series. And this was something that I found, um, I found in Bill's book that I thought was kind of amazing. So apparently in the first, uh, the first two quizzes, Ribs was absolutely certain that Bill was the mole. Oh, and then after the second quiz, Darwin approaches him for coalition and he says, who do you think is the mole? And Bribs says, I think Bill is the mole. And Darwin's like, there is no way Bill can be the mole because here's how I answered the questions. And one of these questions, I didn't answer it for Bill and I'm still here, so obviously it's not correct. And Bribs immediately stops thinking Bill is the mole. So there's your other sliding doors moment. Wow. Yeah. If Darwin does not throw Bribs off the scent. Like how deep in the game, like does is this like does Bribs just run away with this? Interesting. Yeah. It's tough because I, I mean, you kind of have to take that information with a grain of salt that early on. With a cast this large. How many questions do you have to be getting right to stay in? Only one person goes home at a time. And if they got two questions right and you got three questions right, they go home. And you can't assume that just because you're still there, all of your answers are correct. Uh, so I think there was a bit of a leap in logic yeah. on Darwin's part. Well, it's one of those LSAT logic level things. And it was basically he was writing down like every set of questions and trying to figure out like the the strategy that they don't really talk about that I think it changes the way you look at this is that early in the game if you don't know the answer like there's going to be a bunch of questions that you have to get right in order to stay in and then a bunch that are super specific that even people who know them, who the mole is are not going to get them so you can kind of if you can tell the difference between those questions then you go to the questions where it's like there's two possible answers. And so you just pick the answer that applies to the most people. So right. did the mole drink red wine or white wine at dinner? If three people drank white wine, you say the mole drank red wine. Right. And this was one of the, one of the questions I believe, and I'd have to go back and like find the whole passage, but Darwin had Bill in the wrong group mm -hmm. and had figured out like logically he had ruled him out because he was in this other group and it turned out to be, a fallacy and he rode that yeah. fallacy all the way to the final six and darwin's a lawyer isn't he yeah yeah he <laughs> yeah. is he's taking the lsats yeah 
And it, I mean, it really is. It's like LSAT level thinking. And mm-hmm. once I once I had it elucidated, like what that quiz strategy is, it's like, oh, of course, that's how you do it. Yeah. Duh. But I think in the moment of watching the show, they don't ever make that clear that that's what you have to do. No, they definitely don't. But that's certainly how I've thought about it. And it's tough as viewers because there are certain things, certain questions you can answer once you have a sense of who you think the mole is as they're showing you all of the questions. But some of them of like, did the person have this at dinner? It's like, well, I wasn't sitting at dinner with them, so I don't know. Yeah. Um, But yeah, that's certainly the way to go about it, right? It's like, if you're not sure who the mole is, particularly early on, you answer whichever group captures more people. And even if that means you're excluding different people on different questions, the odds are still more or less in your favor compared to if you pick someone and you're just completely wrong and the odds are that you will be early on in the game, um, you're more likely to get more questions wrong. Which kind of brings me to, I think, the last bit of email feedback that we have uh, Kevin asked, what do you think is the optimal number of contestants for a season? In in the American version, at least, we've seen 10, 14, 7, 8, and 12 people. Um, 7 and 8 are the celebrity seasons that they mm-hmm. did with far fewer people, if anybody out there does not know. Um, Kevin says, I personally prefer 14. While it might be a little bloated, I'd rather have more mole than less mole, and 10 contestants goes by way too quickly. I do agree 10 is really small and like things move really fast. It's like a six person tribe versus like a, a eight or 10 person tribe on Survivor. Um, but 14 is a lot. Like who is Rob? I st- I've watched this show so many times and I still have no idea who that guy is. I couldn't tell you a thing about him except that he came off like a sleazy car salesman. Um, and who's the next person? Allie? Is that this season? Yeah, that was Allie. Um <laughs> Yeah, there's like of the first five people out, the only one who really has a story is Patrick. Right. Yeah. And I think 12 might be more of the sweet spot. 14 yeah. is so many for for 42 minutes. Yeah. And I'm, I, you know, I'm finding the same thing with like Survivor seasons when they bring on 20 contestants. I, I mean, I know right off the bat there's going to be five or six of them. I'm not going to be able to remember. After Ever. They get yeah. Off. Yeah. <laughs> Some it's of just whom so many, make it it's so all the many way stories. The yeah, yeah there's so many so- stories to try and tell. You want to get people invested in the players because that's why it's interesting to watch the game. Um, and and I want more mole rather than less mole too. Uh, but I think you get more like fun, unique, individual moments when you have a slightly smaller cast than you do with like this biggest group. Yeah, and it, it gives you a little bit more give you a little bit more room to maneuver but Mm -hmm. it is i think within the game you want more people rather than less but yes to watch the season especially with how complicated the strategy on this show is i think you want you want fewer people to watch because i can tell you something interesting about every single person on the first season cast and i could have done it before we did the whole Mm -hmm. podcast about it right right including manual <laughs> yeah it, you know it's his first trip out of the country was yeah. wanted to see paris man he got to have his night out in paris he yeah. gets like a, a very nice like farewell package for being the first person voted out and i couldn't tell you anything about rob or ally or what people had to say about them when they left yeah and 
I mean, the, the only interesting things about like, I think Rob and Lisa are both like what they do for a living. Yeah. Like Lisa was, was a person. The the beer salesman slash assistant U S district attorney or something. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only interesting thing about her. It's like, there's a, you know, there's a team on the amazing race that you don't remember anything about them, except that their Chiron said they were dating for 12 years and they were virgins. (laughs) It's like, this is like the dating 12 years virgins. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is that level of surprising combination. <laughs> it's like I don't remember anything about them, um, except you know, it's, people are going to yell at me because they know I do, and I definitely do. But it's like <laughs> the average person who watched right. that season. I say, you know, season four of Amazing Race, they'd be like, "Oh yeah, dating twelve years virgins," mm-hmm. and it's the same thing. Like Rob was interesting because he had the hair and he was a magician. Yes. But oh, that's not even who I'm talking about. Bob. You're talking about Bob. Yeah. So you don't even remember his freaking name. That's how no, memorable. No, he is. I know who Rob is. Okay, Rob, the magician you. that Anderson punched in the arm. Yes. Yeah. Get punched oh, by Bob. Anderson. You're memorable. Yeah. Oh, Bob is gosh. like, he's barely in it. He's in it for like 30 seconds and yeah. he's out. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you don't want. You don't want the obvious, like, first boot energy. You don't need that person. I want to I want to feel bad when the first boot goes out. I don't want right. to be like, oh, good. Fewer people to keep track of. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. All right. So is that it for, is that for listener feedback? Have we been through everything we want to talk about there? I think that covers it. Yes. Quiz topic. I'm not looking at that email. Yeah. spoiler for me yeah i well i've had a lot of people i wanted to actually i'm going to throw it out there to the listeners i wasn't really advertising this widely but as people have been emailing us i've been saying yeah go ahead do this um and people have done it unsolicited i've been mm-hmm. getting some solicit i've been getting some pitches for um quiz questions and people have been writing like it comes it comes as um it ranges from hey you should make this the theme of your quiz one week or have you thought about giving them this show all the way to people just sending me like a whole ass completed quiz question and so i'm making one of the upcoming weeks be listener submission week nice and anybody that wants to write me one of our typical mole quiz questions i am perfectly happy to air your question on the on the listener submission week quiz. I don't know which week that's going to be yet. And we have, I think three so far, but I'm sure we can go longer. I, I know Zed and Josh are happy to do quizzes all night. Oh, we love it. It's our favorite. <laughs> um, but you can send those to mole patrol at Rob as a website.com. Just make it clear in the title that it is about the quiz so that I know not to read it. Cause those emails go to both me and Jess, not just Jess. Mm-hmm. Some of them say hi, Jess, and I'm reading them too. I know, I feel um, bad but about I won't, that. But I won't read the quiz ones if you make it clear that it's about the quiz. Uh, yeah, but that's where you can send those. That's you can send those. But if you're if you're sending us feedback, make sure that you have it say hi, Jess and Zed. Yeah, I'm here too. Zed is here, and they're reading it too. So I, we love the feedback. Obviously, yeah. we got such great feedback from all of you for yes, this week you in all particular. For yeah. And generally, you've all been really great about sending in feedback and we very much appreciate that. Um, so let's let's move on to talking about Bill's book. 
And once again, this book is called Reflections of the Mole, and it is available in on Amazon in the Kindle store. And if you have Kindle Unlimited, you may read it for free. And I think it's like $7 if you don't. I don't recommend. Um, it's not worth $7. <laughs> if it's like, I'm going to double check the price on this because if it's like, yeah, it is. And from what I've heard, in addition to not wanting to give Amazon your money, you probably don't want to give Bill your money either. <laughs> I don't know. He's he's funny, <laughs> um, but he's also, it's very much a self-published book. And it's <laughs> also, I think it depends on how much you love Bill. Honestly, um, it's four ninety nine to buy it in the Kindle store. If you have a Kindle, you can buy it in paperback for fifteen dollars. You can probably find it on like ABE or some other independent retailer if you really want to read it and you don't want to give Jeff Bezos your money, which I definitely don't blame you if you don't. Um, but anyway, I took this bullet because I already have Kindle Unlimited, um, so you don't have to read this because I'll tell you basically how this book goes. Um, this book is basically a combination memoir and play-by-play breakdown of everything that happens in season two of The Mole to a frightening level of detail, <laughs> which I guess if everybody on the show was taking copious notes, even if Bill is not the person which taking Bill notes, wasn't, yeah. There are so many ways that Bill is phoning in this mole stint. It's really hilarious. Um, but what he does is he basically interweaves his experience on the mole with a lot of information about him personally that I guess is interesting. Um, but I kind of skimmed a lot of it, to be honest. And then he talks about leg by leg. Here's what he did on the mole. Here's what the producers told him to do. Here is how it shook out. Here is what happened on the quiz. And here's who went home. Then he throws it to whoever went home. And has them, like he asked them all to email him with their thoughts about what happened and why they went home and who they thought had been the mole and where they went wrong. And every single person except one wrote back to him and told him what they were thinking. Wow. He did quarantine questionnaires with everybody. He did in 2007. (laughs) Yeah. So Zed, do you want to guess who the person is who didn't write him back? Oh, I hope it was Alavia. Olivia wrote him back. I want her to be having better things to do with her well, life than answering she, emails from Bill. She is very clear that she has a lot of great things going on in her life. Good. I'm glad. I'm happy she, for her. She talks about like what her job is and how she's very, very happy. And she's ha- she's having a much better life than she did when she was on the mole. Good. Yeah. Was so it Patrick? Was he it mad? was Patrick. Yes. It was Patrick. He was still 100% mad. Okay, I'm counting that as a quiz win for me. <laughs> yeah, one point for the quiz. Um, and Patrick is hilarious. Like the whole the whole breakdown of like, nobody really likes Patrick from day one. And he's the only person who refuses to contribute to the book. And he apparently like stormed off the set. And it, it was... When he lost? Yeah, well, he thought, yeah, when he lost, and he also, he was one of these people that applied for all of the reality shows and really wanted to be on Survivor and was kind of bitter that he wasn't on Survivor. Wild. Oh, Patrick, I want better things for you as well. (laughs) I don't think Survivor would have gone super well for him. No, I kind of think. Based on his evident lack of social skills. Yeah, and he he is one of those people, and you, you know, I'm sure you've met people like this out in the world said you've met people that watch a lot of survivor and kind of miss the point of what survivor is <laughs> and they, they watch the show thinking i want to be on that show 
why am I not on that show? I'd be amazing at it. And it's like, no, because you're kind of bad at the one thing you have to be good at. Right. <laughs> and this was sort of like from day one, like nobody wanted to be anywhere near Patrick. <laughs> Except for Katie. Like Patrick's yeah. edit is kind of interesting because he's shown in a fairly positive light until the episode where he goes home and then the show just like dunks him in a trash can as hard as they possibly yeah. can. I mean, it's, before that, you see like Katie trusting him with her with her rosary before she does the bungee jump. She's talking about how he feels like fatherly to her. Myra and Patrick get along well when they're doing the costume running up the Swiss Alps task yeah. to get to the train station. And then and apparently, sudden, apparently, Patrick like volunteered to wear the speedo. Of course, he did. Um, but then there's like such a serious heel turn in the episode where he goes home. It's almost like something happened, and all of a sudden, everybody's mad at Patrick. Yeah, I don't know if it was the journal catastrophe or what. I mean, it, it was it was sort of the journal catastrophe, and I, I'm really when we get back to our finale, I'm going to reread all the Patrick stuff because I recall that it was fascinating stuff. Like nobody trusted him from the, yeah. Oh, here we go. I found it in the book, so I will do a little bit of dramatic reading. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. Patrick was interesting. We did become friends of a distant sort after the show and chatted several times. However, he came into the game with a definite idea of how it should be played and was very aggressive at it. And it seemed to me felt free to backstab and lie to get ahead. I really think he was anticipating being on Survivor and had adopted his strategy accordingly. He did not go out of his way to be friendly or make friends. Unfortunately for him, in this particular game, you have to have the ability to exchange lots of information with everyone else daily or you were not going to survive. So his direct inquisitorial matter, devoid of a soft side, was not one that endeared him to the others. He didn't seem to care. That was the way he chose to play the game. <laughs> Several of us agreed that if he were the mole, the last three or four players would probably commit either homicide or suicide before the time in Europe ended. Jeez. Ouch! Yeah, that's pretty brutal. Big yikes. Yeah, and there's a lot in there about... um Patrick being kind of creepy to all of the women, mm -hmm. which they mention in brief on the show, but they just they don't really show him doing it at all. And yeah, they only show it like with Heather at one point yeah. where he like comes to hug her in the Speedo and she doesn't want that. And he like does it anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm trying to see if I can find like any any other Patrick related minutiae, but that was the main thing, like. Bill is less kind to Patrick than the show was, if you can believe that. Wow. Yeah. He's like, you're making the olds look bad. Yeah. So there's some other fun, um, we got some other fun trivia bits. Um, the main thing, like I read this in the book and I had to put it down because I was laughing too hard. So in the um, Little John and Little Jane challenge. Mm-hmm. Bill was standing like a psycho because the wetsuit didn't fit him. I think you you may have told Josh by that offline. Yeah. Yeah. I know I texted you that like the second I saw it. And it's oh, just gosh. like I cannot wait to tell Josh that. Yeah. He does say on the show, he's like, Do we have to zip them all the way up? Yeah, because his would not zip all the way yeah, up. Yeah, because it's like, not happening for him. Yeah. He's like stuffed into it like a sausage. <laughs> does not excuse him like later on also standing like a psycho in other areas he's not wearing a wetsuit but he's still standing like a psycho but 
<laughs> oh man, once you see it, you can't unsee it, and then it's just everywhere. Yeah. Um, I learned that Darwin didn't get to eat his ice cream because Bill just like housed his, and then yeah. Darwin gets on the gets on In the van with his ice cream, and the producer slapped it out of his hand and threw it on the floor and yelled at him. Oh, that's so upsetting. $5,000 ice cream that you don't even get to eat. I know. I know. That was... Oh, man. That's brutal. <laughs> yeah. And um, let's see. Uh, apparently, someone lists their favorite kind of food as edible. And people were tweeting at me very upset about that. And the book reveals that it was Olavia that did that. And that explains, I think that tells you a lot about who Olavia is as a person. <laughs> like, no wonder everybody was suspicious of her because all of her questions were answered that way. Uh-huh. But Bill's questionnaire answers are even more interesting because Bill didn't fill them out himself. This is the best thing that I think, I, I think that I learned out of the entire book is uh, when Bill was applying to be on the show, like, he just sort of threw a tape together and sent it in and they liked his personality, but he didn't feel like he wanted to fill out all that paperwork. So he made his wife do it. And of she made did. up half the questions. <laughs> like she just made up the answers. And so production kept getting frustrated with him because they would need to compile what the quizzes were. And they needed Bill to talk about it with the other contestants. And they're like, so what'd you put for this? And he's like, I don't know. Like, okay, go back and read your questionnaire again. And remember <laughs> what you put. Or he would answer them. And they'd say, that's not what you put on the questionnaire, Bill. We made the quiz based on you saying this. Yeah, not the ideal candidate to be the mole, the guy who wants to do absolutely no work and can't yeah. remember answers to questions because he didn't answer them. Yeah, that so that I thought was entertaining. Um, and it's kind of like, well, that's kind of in line with the bill you see. It's like he's having a good time and he's, you know, he's taking the trip. He's enjoying himself. But then when it comes time to tread water for 10 minutes, he can't do it. And he's like, nah. Nah. Yeah. He'll be the ox pulling the, the pizza freezer. But uh that's about it for Bill. Yep. Um I I don't remember if this was actually on the show, but they talk about they're baking the pizza dough and the pizza is full of like little unidentifiable specks. Mm -hmm. And Bill says what the specks are. Oh no. So apparently there's a tablecloth on the table. Yeah. And it's like you know, it's like that Italian tablecloth, like the green and white checks. And apparently they're making the pizza dough and they're making it on the tablecloth. And then Bill lifts up the, the pizza dough and like half the, half the checks are gone. So all the specks were like green dye from the tablecloth. Oh no. But nobody died. Nobody died. <laughs> the tablecloth was dyed, but apparently not very well. <laughs> yeah, apparently not. Um, I'm glad it wasn't like bugs. Cause I, that was definitely a thought. I'd rather eat dye than bugs, for sure. Yeah. I'll take a little bit of baked chemicals, I guess, in my pizza. Over I mean, bugs. I mean, they make a good point. The, the oven was very hot. It probably killed anything that was still yeah, alive. Yeah, they kill all the bad stuff in the oven, yeah. Katie says. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. Um, and then, those, of course, slightly baked pizzas, I'm sure, were perfectly healthy to eat. Yeah, they were <laughs> a little bit floppy. They were in the oven for a period of time. Was it yeah, long sure. enough? No. Long enough to kill all the germs, maybe. Yes. Probably not long enough to cook the pizza. <laughs> I don't think so. And then um, a couple of fun tidbits from Funhouse Night. Um, yes. 
Yes. So we know that, of course, on Funhouse Night, Bill wins the opportunity to not stay in the Funhouse, mm-hmm. um, which is not rigged. He just did. Oh, but wow. He was supposed to go and spend the night. I mean, it'd be easier to be the mole if you, you know, they show you the tiny bubbles room and you're like, no, I've yeah, You're like, uh, no. Yeah. But apparently they say on the show, you're going to go get spa treatments and stay in a fancy hotel. And they were supposed to get him a massage. But um, due to the language barrier, that's not what they ordered. And so Bill did not get a massage. And the person who was supposed to give him the massage did not stick around. Um, You know what they, yeah, they call other things. um, Uh Yeah, you know what I mean? Um, I do. Yes. And uh, also, uh, Al was in that room all night and he really had to pee, but mm-hmm. he's not going to break the rules because he's Al. Mm-hmm. So he he starts to unzip and the producers are running in like, no, you cannot pee on the floor. And he's like, well, I got it. And so they ended up like they. this is one of those portions of the show not affecting the outcome. He got to go have a potty break because he was well, going to pee on the I'm floor glad. in this yeah. like Italian villa. I mean, good on him to be like, okay, fine. I'm sitting here for eight hours and you're not going to let me sleep and I'm going to be awake and aware that I need to go to the bathroom and I have to be on this stupid metal bed frame. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to follow your rules. Is this what you want? And no, it is not. It is not what they want. Yeah. And there was a, there was also a point where Bill lobbied to get, um, to have conditions improve for all of the contestants because he threatened to quit the show and everybody's like, well, we have to give them what what he wants because yeah. Bill is the only one who can't power. quit the show. Yikes. So I, I kudos to Bill for recognizing what his leverage is. Yeah. Yeah. And then the final piece of trivia is uh, that I wanted to highlight is that Anderson did not know who the mole was until mm-hmm. shortly before the final quiz when two of the producers were talking about it without realizing he was in the car with them. Yep. Oh, he was in the car. Yeah, he's in the I car. Read- I've read on Wikipedia that it says, like, as with the previous season, he didn't know who the mole was until, like, he overheard a producer's conversation the day before yeah. the finale. No, but it, it doesn't it, say on Wikipedia that it's because they were fully, in, the car they they were fully in a car talking and they were like, oh, hi, Anderson. Oh, also, Oops. you're here, host of the show. Okay. But how is it not obvious? Yeah. You would think Anderson would know, of all people. He had figured out Catherine by the end, he said. Yeah, but this one, I, it just, it boggles my mind because the other thing that I think, and I can't remember who tweeted this at me, so I apologize and you should get credit and at me and then I'll make sure you get the credit for this. Um, the The other thing that is obvious is that they are not going to choose the same type of person two seasons in a row. So right. who is the opposite of Catherine on this cast? Mm-hmm. And that's who they got. Yeah. That might have been in an email too. Sorry yeah. about that. That we sorry are not... person with the email. Yeah, uh, but I think that is a good theory that is correct. Yeah, yeah. They're not going to do another woman. Probably not another younger person. Yeah, so we probably get... not an attorney. <laughs> yeah. So we get Charlie. We get season two Charlie, which is yeah. Yeah. <laughs> who's nothing like Charlie except that he's an old white dude. Yeah. I, I don't. It's it's weird that that 
It's weird that Josh just latches onto this. this he just loves doing the Charlie voice. Mm. I have definitely encountered Charlie on other podcasts that are not the mole. <laughs> yes, as have I. <laughs> I think you can probably encounter Charlie just like having a conversation with Josh. Yeah. But Charlie's lot, in him now. A lot of his voices just sort of like if he's doing a caricature of someone sort of just devolve into Charlie eventually, even if they sound nothing like Charlie in real life. Yeah, he's like Paul Rudd in the Leprechaun. Mm-hmm. Like they're all Charlie. Like Charlie's just waiting to come out. Yes, we are Charlie. And Charlie is Legion. <laughs> oh God, Charlie lives on anyway. <laughs> in this way, yes. In this way, and maybe not in others. Yeah, I think uh, I think he is not on this plane anymore. As, no. as I recall. In R.I.P. Charlie. Um, mm-hmm. So Zed, I think that brings us to the end of our spoiler special. I think um, it does. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to this and all other Mole Patrol podcast episodes. Um, we apologize again if you did not heed 10 minutes of warnings up front and um, let yourself get spoiled. I don't want to hear that feedback, but if you have other feedback, like perhaps things you want us to bring up to Josh at the end of the season or things you want us to slip into the conversation as we are gearing up toward um, Anderson's Funhouse. I would love to hear them. We want to hear that kind of feedback. We want to hear what are you thinking of the show so far? Uh, what else do you want us to ask Josh? What else do you want us in, to have in the quiz? These are all good things to deliver in terms of feedback. And we want to hear from you. So you can tweet at us. Do not tweet at Josh, but you may tweet at Hard Rock Hope, which is Zed. And you may tweet at Haymaker Hattie, which is me. You may also email us, Patrol at com. That goes to both Zed and me. So you should greet us both accordingly. And also um, we wanted to throw you our pronouns as well. So you can refer to me as she, her and Zed is they, them. So that's just helpful information for everybody. I think sometimes we're not upfront about that and we should be more conscientious about everybody giving our pronouns before we ask people to contact us. So that's my spiel about feedback and really give us anything. We want Andersongs too. Have you been inspired yeah. to have Andersongs? If we don't get 25 song parodies of Tiny Bubbles, you're all fired. Yeah. I quit. Josh should feel like he's listened to Tiny Bubbles for eight hours by the time we get to the end of our Andersongs segment, yes. whenever that does happen. Um, I know Nick Fishman and Aaron Robertson are going to greatly bolster our Andersongs numbers. Uh, they've had quite uh, like discography prepared even before our season began. Um you can let them dominate, but don't match no. them. Bring in your own. We want to hear from everybody. Uh, they're so they're such a treat. Um, unbegettable still pops into my head mm-hmm. sometimes. Like what an iconic moment. Um, so if you have song parodies, you know, Survivor hasn't been around. We haven't had the Wiggle Room. We haven't had the Wand Off. If you have creative juices flowing, uh, send us your songs. We want to hear them. We love to laugh. We love to laugh with you guys. Um, and then Josh and I don't have the stress of the quiz when we're just listening to music. So, uh, it's true. Would you rather, would you rather take the quiz or would you rather listen to tiny bubbles for eight hours? Oh boy. It's tough. That's a tough call. I gotta say. I wonder (laughs) if Josh, I'd take the quiz. Okay. What if Josh would rather, would rather listen to tiny bubbles for eight hours or watch the strain for eight hours? That's what I was going to say. He'd pick tiny bubbles. (laughs) For sure. He might regret it, but. 
Yeah, so that's our that's our show, friends. Please send us your feedback and your Anders songs, and we will be back next week breaking down episode eight of The Mole. And then we're just going to cruise right on into the finale. Eventually, we will have a um, full season recap where we go back and we let Josh look at all of the things, all of these painfully obvious clues that we missed. Like, who <laughs> doesn't know Bill is a Pisces? Seriously. And we'll be able to fill him in on some of these more interesting trivia facts. So if you've read Bill's book and there's something you want us to bring up to him specifically, please, um, please let us know that as well. So I guess that's our show. Thanks, Zed, for doing this with me. Yeah, thanks, Jess. This was so fun. I love making fun of Josh when he's not here for all the things he doesn't know, because there's a whole discord where people talk about all the stuff I don't know about Final Fantasy. So I get my one episode for us to talk about all the secrets before they're not secrets anymore. Yep, we get to spend an hour and a half dunking on Josh in ways that he can't defend himself. <laughs> and he'll never listen to this, so he'll never know. It's wonderful. It's it's so great when you can have a whole podcast about something, someone knowing they're never going to listen to it. Because what's worse is when you do one of those podcasts, then they do listen to it yes. in there a couple of times. <laughs> well, Josh, if you're listening to this, we love you very much. You, we, this podcast would not be possible without Josh Wiggler. So definitely the only thing I want you to tweet at Josh Wiggler in regards to the mole is thank you, Round Howard, for doing the podcast with Jess and Zed. It makes my life better and we know it would not be possible without. you. Yeah. And you have to refer to it as the podcast with Jess and Zed. If you say yeah. mole patrol or the podcast about the mole, he won't see it. He's got those yeah. things locked down tight in his Twitter filters. Exactly. It's like how you, you know, say the artist formerly known as Prince. Yeah. Yeah. You have to refer to it in terms that get around the filters. <laughs> get around the filters. Yeah. All right. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you again, Zed. Thanks to Scott St. Pierre, who edited this and posted it. And we'll see you next week with regular Mole Patrol coverage. 